Thank you for joining us today and a big thank you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. Karen and I have been trialing their designs for a few months and we can happily recommend them. All designs are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Ultra distance running is becoming more and more popular, but how many runners actually know how to fuel effectively? So if you're planning an ultra, please join us to discover what the nutritional needs are for these longer distance events. Hello and welcome to She Runs, Eats, Performs, the podcast for female runners of all abilities. Please join Karen Campbell and Aileen Smith, nutritionists, friends and runners, who are here to help you translate sports nutritional science into easy to apply tips and plans, helping you enjoy peak running performance. And especially adding in the female factors every woman needs to know to be a healthy runner. The suggestions we make during this episode are for a guidance and advice only, and are not a substitute for medical advice or treatment. If you have any concerns regarding your health, please contact your healthcare professional for advice as soon as possible. If you'd like help from Karen and Ailey to design a personalised sports nutrition plan for your running, please contact them at Runners Health Hub. I'm Aileen and as always I'm here with Karen and today our topic is all about ultra distance running and the nutritional needs that you have when running this distance but before we get into the detail I'd just like to welcome back our regular listeners and if you are listening for the first time a very warm welcome to you Uh, we hope you enjoy this episode and uh, you get an opportunity to maybe check out our back catalogue and join us for future episodes too. Now Karen and I really enjoy podcasting and we love it when we hear from our listeners so please drop us a line at hello at runnershealthhub.com introduce yourself and share a little bit about your running and your nutritional goals because it really helps us plan future topics for the podcast and we really appreciate any suggestions that we get now we also have some free downloadable ebooks at our website which is runnershealthhub.com and if you look at the top menu bar uh, look out for free nutrition guides and you can uh, download um, the variety of uh, guides that we have there. Now, the most popular one we find is Top Running Snacks and Nutrient Timing, and that is there to help fuel you running. And the information that we share there is really a quick summary about a lot of the advice that we share in our episodes. So we hope that 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 information helps you. So let's get started. Um, As I said, our topic for today is all about the nutritional needs of an ultra runner. So during this episode, we're going to highlight the rewards and the health risks associated with ultra distance running. We're going to discuss the key nutrients to focus on for this distance. And we're also going to give you some tips on food to eat to fuel your fuel your ultra running uh, races and uh, events. So hi, Karen. Uh, Before we look at the rewards and the risks, uh, perhaps you could uh, share with us why you chose this topic to discuss today. Yes. Hi, Aileen. Hi, everybody. Um, Yes, Aileen, the key reason I've chosen this subject really is to um, 
in discussing ultra running is because I feel that that ultra distance is becoming more and more popular. However, I also feel that there's limited information out there on the specific nutritional needs of an ultra runner. And also, I myself, um, I'm beginning to dabble in ultra distance running. So I can really associate with the ups and the downs and the thrills and the difficulties that are associated with running these distances because they are long. So if you are a distance runner or maybe you're considering moving into this sort of distance of running, then I would say definitely this episode is for you. So those are my reasons, Aileen. Yeah, I'd agree with that, Karen. I think there are a lot of people, you know, it it seems to be almost like a natural progression. You know, everybody talks about, yeah, I'm doing this distance this summer and it's uh, it's something that a lot of people are trying out. So um, as we, 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 you know, we're talking about ultra running, what would you say the actual definition of this distance of running is, Karen? Yeah, I think that's a good question, Aileen, because I have to say, when I speak to people about running an ultra, they inevitably ask me, so how far is that? And um, ultra running is is also known as ultra marathon running. So those two ways of speaking about it are, are intermixed. Um, and the de- definition quoted in research, and I'm going to quote here, is that ultramarathons are foot races that exceed the traditional marathon distance of 26.2 miles, or if you like to work in kilometres, that's 42.2 kilometres. So so that's the official um, research definition of an ultra. Right. So basically any distance over a marathon is classed as an ultra. That, that's good to know. Um, so you, you were saying, Karen, I know that you've run long distances in the past. So what, what sort of distances have you run? Well, I have to say, Aileen, looking at ultras, to date, my abilities haven't really exceeded 57 kilometres. So that's 35.5 miles. Now, in the world of ultras, um, that really is just kind of tipping into that ultra dis- ultra distance, really. And that one, the 56 kilometre one, was the Ultra Tour Edinburgh. And if anybody is thinking about moving into ultras, that was such a fabulous run. I would really recommend it. It was beautiful. You start off in the city, but you go out into the countryside, over to Leith, and then you end up in the stadium, I think. If I remember correctly, you finished in the stadium. So it really is a wonderful, if you get the weather, it's a wonderful one to 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 start off with. But I have to say there are some really famous ones out there and they go way beyond um, my current achievements. And probably most people will have heard of them, especially if you are, say, um, a distance runner anyway, maybe not an ultra runner, but a distance runner, you've probably heard of some of the, the really famous ones like the Comrades, which it takes place down in, in Durban in South Africa, and that's 56 miles, so that's 90 kilometres. There's also the what's classed as the Western States Endurance. Now, that um, takes place in California, and that's 100 miles, and so that's 161 kilometres. And these are all um, 
known as single stage uh, events. So you do this as one run. You get multi-stage events, which are over a few days. But these, and I think these are such long distances to be doing in one go. Another really famous one is the Spartathlon. Um, So clearly that's Greece. Uh, It takes place in Athens, and that's 152 miles long, so 245 kilometres. And then also there's the the UTMB series. I don't know if anybody has heard of those. That's the Ultra Tour Mont Blanc series. And that they include sort of eight races of varying distances, the longest one being 100 miles, and the shortest one, I think, being 50k. So, um, yeah, so lots of different, and that's just some of them, Alien. There are lots more right there. There certainly are, and uh, it's quite inspiring reading about the, the people that run them and uh, what their experience is. But I, I do feel that some of those distances really do push the human body and possibly the human mind too, and maybe to its limits. Um, but I mean, Karen, you sound quite excited about some of these events. Are you? Are you? Are there any of them on your list to complete? Well, I have to say, Aileen, they do excite me and I would love to be able to um, to achieve them. But realistically, I'm just not sure. Um, would I be strong enough? Um, would I be able to put in all the training that's required to complete one of these um, real ultra distance events? Uh, to be honest, I'm, I'm just not sure. One that does appeal to me, though, that I mentioned was the UTMB 50K um, I might just be able to complete that one. But I think that to be able to do it, even that distance, um, you do have to get some UTM points first through ultra, other ultra events that um, that qualify, that give you points for that. So um, and which UK events qualify? I'm not sure I would need to investigate that. So that's something that's always in the back of my mind. But I, I need to I need to investigate it a bit more and, and commit to it a bit more. Oh, well, that's uh, one for the future, Karen. I mean, it's, uh, I, I guess it's a, an area that you're familiar with. So that's maybe part of the attraction. I, I walked the TMB many years ago. And so I know from a walking point of view, it's quite challenging. So I'm yeah. sure running it would be even more challenging. Uh, but we, we'd love to know if any of our listeners have, have been completing ultra events and what your experiences have been so please share them with us and uh, if any of you have have been in any of the famous events we've mentioned or if there are others do let us know and maybe we could have a chat about your experiences in a future episode so um Karen, we, we said that we'd highlight the potential rewards and risks of ultra distance running. Um, so let's start with the rewards. What, what would you say the rewards are from running these distances? Yeah, well, speaking from uh, personal experience, Aileen, and I think probably most ultra runners will relate to to my way of thinking as well. I, For me, that sense of achievement, that sense of accomplishment comes high up in the list of rewards. Um, and I think that comes alongside that sense of self-satisfaction, you know, that achievement, that satisfaction that you've actually done it. Also, I think with ultras, there's a real sense of adventure because usually you're running in really beautiful and natural locations and areas. And also you've got lots of varying terrain that you're that's underfoot. So it's that 
in itself brings thrill, brings excitement, certainly for me. And um, and also it's about, for me, it's about pushing those personal boundaries. You know, I get to a certain distance and I think, okay, so that's okay. I could I can do that. What else am I capable of? So it's always pushing those those boundaries. So those would be my my key and I think for a lot of ultra runners those would be the a lot of the motivations and the rewards from from doing them yeah so a great deal of emotional and psychological rewards rewards potentially um what about physiologically um I can imagine some of the risks but would you say there are any rewards from running these kind of distances well, yes, I, I suppose here I really need to refer to the research because for me, uh, physically, I was sore and suffered from DOMS for several days afterwards. But that that was it, really, because I haven't done those ultra ultras, as I put them, as I say. So, but the physiological rewards that um, that the research suggests are the ones that um, are, are very similar to the ones achieved through all types of distance and endurance style running. So the the, the marathon distance as well, and a couple of them that um, that are that I just wanted to mention are that increased mitochondrial production within cells. So that mitochondrial biogenesis. And remember, our mitochondria are our energy powerhouses. So the more we have of them, the more energy we will have potentially for that prolonged training and for the ultra events. And then another sort of physiological reward, so to speak, is that increased efficiency in utilising fat as fuel. Therefore, by do it, being able to do that, you can preserve glycogen stores um, for much later in training and in the event when its availability is going to be really crucial, really important. But what I would stress is that really appropriate and sufficient nutrient and food intake is imperative for these positive physiological adaptations to occur. Great. Thanks for that, Karen. So um, now I think we need to think about what the potential risks are of running these ultra distances. So there, there's a few that pop into my mind. Um, so I'm thinking, you know, potentially just because of the stress that we're under, there might be compromised immunity. There could be digestive distress. And obviously there's an increased risk of injury and illness. So are there any others that you would add, Karen? Yeah, I would absolutely agree with what you say, Aileen, there. These risks are, are thought to be due to that, like you said, the physiological stresses that distance runners um, are under and others that um, fall into that physiological stresses are the potential for macronutrient and micronutrient depletion. Also, having, a, having dehydration and a potential electrolyte imbalance, also muscle damage damage and oxidative stress from those metabolic metabolic and biological processes occurring during the running now these biophysiological stresses are known to have both acute 
and chronic implications on health. And it's thought that they can be partially mitigated through or or sort of minimised through appropriate nutrition and hydration. But it is thought that they cannot be fully avoided just because of the sheer distance that you're running. So that natural stress that you're going to be putting your body under as a result. Yeah, so it sounds to me that, you know, nutrition and hydration are really, really important and you can't get away with it like you might be able to in shorter distances. Um, So so I think it's an appropriate moment to move on, Karen, and start talking about the key nutrients that an ultra runner should focus on. And um, just as a a recap, what we've we've talked about so far is that uh, ultra marathon running is any distance beyond a marathon distance. And it comes with positive rewards, but also some potential risks, including compromised immunity, digestive stress and injury. Um, so let's think about these key nutrients now. Um, so we, we know that for, for all uh, running performance, there are two limiting factors, and that's carbohydrates and um, hydration. So it, it goes without saying that these areas would need careful consideration Um thinking about the ultra distance that we, we're talking about. Now, we've, we've talked about these topics um, many times before. Um, so I'm just going to mention um, a few episodes that would be uh, helpful to anybody to uh, listen to. So I'm thinking of episode 100, which was marathon running hitting the wall, uh, episode 93, fueling marathon running, and episode 46 about dehydration. And it's uh, the question we asked there was, does dehydration impair exercise performance? So all of these um, conversations will sort of help um, put into context what we're going to talk about now. Uh, But Karen, thinking about hydration and carbohydrate, is there any information specific to ultra running that you can share with us? Yeah, well, I think that meeting the daily demands for carbohydrates and fluids is seen as the biggest challenge facing any ultra runner. So really, the key message is that a conscious and detailed focus on these areas must be a priority for the ultra runner, really to help support optimal recovery from their training and to allow for the prolonged and repeated training sessions, because there is going to be a lot of training to be able to achieve those long distances well. So, so like I say, carbohydrates and fluids are the biggest challenge for an ultra runner. So let's have a look at carbohydrate first. Now, clearly, the total daily energy intake of an ultra runner will be very individual and will depend on many different factors, including age, gender, also the training load, training frequency, also the running pace, so how fast or slow you run, resting metabolic rate. And remember that this does tend to slow as we age and also body composition and the environment, those environmental conditions and the terrain that you're running on will all have an impact on total energy requirements, including carbohydrates for the ultra runner. Now, as midlife female runners, 
age and gender are certainly two factors, and I think there are several factors in there that we we that that would affect most of us as as female runners. And um, and and I think as a, as a result, to be a healthy runner, whether you're an ultra runner or not, we need to consider our life stage and any symptoms associated with that with that life stage. Now we are hosting some more of the Healthy Women Healthy Runner free training, and that's going to take place on the nineteenth of April. Um, there'll be um, a Zoom session at midday and then another one at six o'clock in the evening so you might want to come and join us in our zoom room to learn more about how you could be that healthy midlife female runner still capable of running marathons and ultras if that is your distance so we'll put the link um on how to register in the show notes for you so just something else to consider but going back to uh, the carbohydrate intake, like I said, it does need to be personalised. However, the ISSN, so the International Society for Sports Nutrition, they took out a position stand on nutritional considerations for single stage ultramarathon training and racing. Um, and and they, they, they sort of... Um, they took, that that came out in 2019. Now, in that, they outline an estimated daily energy intake, um, taking into consideration some of the factors that I've just mentioned. So, for example, they suggest, so the ISSN suggests that a 70 kilogram female with 24% body fat, so that would be you know, an average female, I would say. Um, so, so a seventy kilogram female with twenty four percent body fat running for three hours at around eleven point five minute miles. So that's a fairly slow pace, um, slow and steady, and um, would require approximately three thousand four hundred and fifty five kilocalories a day on. Average. So, like I say, this is an average that they have come up with. Um, however, I do think that it it needs to be personalised. But that's just to give everybody an outline. I do, I do wonder, you know, how many people would would think that they might need that amount of calories per day? Because it sounds a lot. However, with the training and everything, is it actually a lot? Yeah, it's not a lot when you consider that kind of level of training, I don't think. Um, but it might be something that people would be, they would need to have um, professional advice to take that on board, probably. Yeah. Um, so as you say, Karen, it, this is an average intake and a general recommendation and, and it needs to be um, adapted really for any female ultra runner. Um, so following on from that, Karen, and thinking about carbohydrate for energy, what is this? recommended split of macronutrients to achieve this energy requirement this sort of calorific requirement yeah so again the ISSN recommend a split that's very familiar to uh, what it would be again for any endurance runner so in other words looking at um, your daily intake of energy coming from 60% carbohydrates 15% protein and 25% fat. So thinking about those healthy fats, but 
Again, I feel that this would really need to be personalised to the individual runner's health and performance goals, as well as their age. And I think, as we've spoken about often, Aileen, an older runner would potentially require a higher intake of protein to help maintain muscle mass and promote that muscle repair and muscle recovery. So possibly for some runners, a split of 20-20, so 20% protein, 20% fat might be more beneficial. But I do feel that this 60% carbohydrate intake would need to be maintained. You wouldn't want to be tweaking that, certainly wouldn't want to be tweaking it down. There may be some people that would need to tweak it up, but certainly not down. Okay, so another way of uh, breaking down your carbohydrate intake is to focus on the grams of carbohydrate per um, body weight per day. And that's usually the way it's it's worked out. And there's a, a recommended range that anything between three and 12 grams per kilogram of body weight per day um, is the range. And again, that will depend on health, body composition and running goals. And, you know, often that can be a bit confusing or difficult to work out what your personal needs are. So if you do want any support on this, then, you know, get in touch with us, book an inquiry call and we can discuss the best ways to work with you professionally to ensure that you're fueling appropriately for, for your personal goals. And it's very easy to book a call with us. Just go to our website, runnershealthhub.com, click on the work with us um, tab on the toolbar, scroll down to book a free call, and then you can book a, a time and a date that, that suits you. Yeah, absolutely. And another factor that I would just like to mention about carbohydrate intake, thinking specifically about the ultra runner. Now, we've spoken in the past, Aileen, there's a lot of information out there about the train low complete uh, compete high uh, concept. Now, this isn't recommended um, for an ultra runner, certainly not on a regular basis. Um, now, that train low compete compete high concept is about manipulating the carbohydrate intake in training to support adaptations including that efficient utilization of fat as fuel now the reason it's not recommended um for ultra runners is because there is a potential that it could lead to chronic low energy availability, which could increase the risk of injury and also the uh, increase the risk of the development of red S, so that relative energy deficiency in uh, in sport. Now, the ISSN recommend really working with a qualified nutritional professional, which is what we recommend as well. Um, if if the if say uh, uh, an athlete did want to particularly look at that train low compete high approach to their training, is to really work with a a professional um, on that to um, to to link it with the training plan and look at when it could be utilised and um, when it just would definitely be a no no. So um, yeah. Basically, what I'm saying there is don't go out and use that concept on your own if you are an ultra runner. Okay, that's uh, good advice, Karen. So let's uh, move on and think about fluid intake and optimal hydration. So is there any research about this regarding the ultra runner? Well, 
the general hydration recommendation, as we know, is to drink to thirst. So in other words, just being aware of those mind-body signals um, for a need to drink and responding to them accordingly. But for the ultra-runner, it's been found that a more targeted hydration strategy is what is required, especially if recovery time is short between training sessions or if sweat rate is high or if you're running in warm or hot environments. And as well as as, as sort of it being um, strategic and targeted, it would really be important to... Um, address hydration on a day-to-day basis, so for day-to-day living, but also um, for during the training uh, event and post-exercise recovery. Those are the three key areas that you'd be wanting to look at, hydration and targeted hydration, not just of not just thinking about drinking when you get the sensation. Now, post-training, the current recommendations are to consume fluids containing sodium and electrolytes um, if necessary, but potentially most of the time, at a volume of 150% of exercise-induced body mass loss. So whatever you lose um, during exercise and fluids, you want to be putting 150% back in. Right. That's interesting. So to put that in context, if a sweat loss was one litre per hour, then following an hour of training, an individual would want to consume 1.5 litre of fluids with those added sodium and electrolytes. Exactly, Aileen. Exactly that with sort of that added sodium, encouraging the uptake of the water into the cells. Now, drinking the fluids regularly over several hours is um, is known to help maximise the effectiveness of this rehydration strategy and is actually preferable to gulping a lot of fluid over a short period of time because that might just lead to you eliminating um, any excess via the kidneys because the body can't and the cells can't absorb it quick enough so it gets eliminated. So slow and steady regularly is is the way to rehydrate again. Brilliant. So I remember um, this topic being discussed in an article that I read about ultra runner uh, Sophie Power, and she had a really serious incident during um, a very long ultra run, and it was uh, one of these iconic runs that you were talking about earlier, Karen. Um, so this this run was the ancient Kaima Pass um, ultra run in Cambodia, which is over 220 kilometers. Now, in, in the article that I read, Sophie said that she'd actually drunk too much water and hadn't balanced her salts out, and she has a very high sweat rate, and that coupled with the environmental temperature and her overhydrating uh, led to her actually being airlifted out of the jungle. And she said that at the time she had a 50% chance of survival. So it was really, really serious. And obviously that's a very extreme example. Um, but as a result of that, um, she's now got a very detailed salt and hydration plan for all the races. And and she's a really interesting woman to read about. Um, and I don't know if anybody remembers um that she attracted a lot of attention a number of years ago when she was photographed breastfeeding at a rest station when she was running the 
ultra TMB that you mentioned, Karen. Um, so she's, uh, as I said, she's very interesting to read about. I'll put some uh, links to blogs about her in uh, in the show notes. Um, but I think it just shows the power of how how getting you know hydration is really crucial in these events, and you can't underestimate not get what not getting it right can do exactly exactly and it is about getting it right and I do think there is I think um Sophie's story highlights how easy it can be to over hydrate without thinking about the electrolytes you know they need to be in balance and um, people forget just how much sodium and other electrolytes they're sweating out and they just keep drinking water so they're diluting their electrolytes all the time and that's what's then leading to these issues but I do think it's great when athletes like Sophie share their stories and their expertise um, because it can really help other people um, limit their chances of um of it happening to them and and the other thing about Sophie is that we both really love is the fact that she's a real food athlete and she doesn't rely fully on commercial sports products and that's always what we're about isn't it Aileen that real food approach yeah and it's um it's great when you you have somebody like Sophie Power you know championing that sort of way of uh of fueling uh their running so um Thinking about day-to-day hydration, Karen, uh, are there any recommendations for an ultra runner? Yeah, so for day-to-day fluid intake, the general recommendation is to drink to thirst or drink ad libitum, as as they say. So, um, So when you want to or you feel like drinking but also to just keep an eye on urine colour. And remember, healthy urine colour is a straw colour. And if it becomes darker than that, then just increase your fluid intake um, where necessary, where required. So that that is the, the on, a, on a day-to-day basis, that would be the general advice. Great. So it's, um, as you say, that's the general advice. Um which would be for everybody, really. Um, but I suppose, um, you know, we also have to think about female factors, you know, regarding um, food as well as, as as drinking, Karen. So are there any female factors that we should be considering with regards to ultra running? Yeah, there are a few um, I would just want to mention. And and, and these are taken from the the results of a study called the NERMI study. Now, the NERMI, N-U-R-M-I study, is is the Nutrition and Running High Mileage um, study. And it's an international interdisciplinary disciplinary comparative study of running and the aim of it is to um is to create a broad body of scientific evidence of the exercise um, performance of different types of of eating groups so there's the the omnivore group compared with a vegetarian and and um vegan groups and they're all all runners and now this study was carried out over 14 months and uh, during 2014 and 2015 and they used this NERMI study in lots of different research papers as examples of um of 
of looking at different aspects of um, of running high mileage. Now, when they were comparing food choices between male and female distance runners, this study found that female athletes have a much greater prevalence of um, so that unintentional calorie imbalance than males. And that sort of in order to reach and maintain an appropriate body composition required for that optimal endurance performance. And what they found was that there was this calorie imbalance meant that that women um, tended to eat uh, less than they should be compared to men. But they did find also that females were generally more health conscious than males and um, and they made healthier food choices with a greater intake of foods, including fruits and vegetables and whole foods. So generally much healthier um, um, thinking around food. Now, they also found that female athletes preferred to consume um dietary sources that contained higher levels of micronutrients so that it had more micronutrient density to fulfill that there any health related concerns that they might have whereas male athletes were found to be more interested in really consuming the macronutrients so the the fats the proteins and the um and the carbohydrates especially from the protein so- sources with their aim really looking at maintaining and improving muscle mass and strength and instead of looking at their overall health or any health conditions that they may be experiencing and the other thing that um, that they found was that the prevalence um, of high fiber foods, and they used that as an indicator of a healthy diet, was much higher in females than in males. So, um, so really, what that would say is that. I think overall, it suggests that female endurance runners do tend to eat more appropriate foods for their distance runner. However, they do have a higher tendency to undereat besides their male counterparts. Now, if you think that potentially this could be you, then as an endurance and an ultra runner, certainly it would be important to to address this potential to undereat to help prevent any injury, any illness and any deterioration of performance. So really something to to think about for you personally and address it if you think there may be um, any issues there. So, Aileen, that's a lot that I said. So I think I'm going to take a rest and maybe that's a good time to, to just have a pause um, and, and have a, a short advert break. So I'm going to hand over to you. Yeah, well, thanks, Karen. It was really interesting to know that as ladies, uh, we tend to eat healthier, but we have this tendency to undereat. So I think there's uh, there's probably a moral in that story somewhere. Um, so let's uh, let's have our advert break, as you suggested. So this is part of the episode where Karen and I take a minute to talk to you about what we do outside the podcast. And today we'd like to share with you our one-to-one personalized nutrition services. And um, this service is for you if you want some focused and personalized advice and support to help you achieve your health and running goals. And one of the programs that we offer is called the Personalized Runners Food 
plan. Um, and that program would be perfect for you if you're training for an event of any distance. So it would be great if you if you're planning an ultra distance, but also for any any distance, it would be helpful. Uh, we split the program into three key areas. So the first area is nutritional essentials. And, and during that, we discuss your everyday nutrition and identify any areas to fine tune. So we review your current food plan and your running goals, and we give recommendations for everyday nutrition foundations. Uh, the next part of the program is looking at running specific nutrition, and that's focusing on uh, fueling pre, during and post running. And we also uh, look at uh, the athlete play concept and how that can be used for your training. As part of that session, we look at your weekly run training plan and any other scheduled exercise that you do. And we'll suggest what foods you should eat, how much you should eat and what you should do to support that pre, during and post fueling. And then we, we then move on to race day nutrition. And so we look at meal planning for race day. And that includes fueling during your race, um, and plus lots of practical tips to help your race day go smoothly. And we'll help plan your nutrition in the week leading up to the race, plus uh, what you need to do during the race and post nutrition um, on um, race day so that you're recovering well. So, as I said, it is ideal if you're lo looking to move your running up to the next level, whether you're a beginner, whether you're moving up to a half marathon, a marathon and an ultra or even if you're an experienced runner and you're just really looking to get the edge for an important race so that you can be your best shape and, and condition on the big day. So if you are interested in having some one to one uh, support, uh, we'd suggest that you book a complimentary call with us so that you can find out um, we can find out what your goals are and we can suggest the best way of working with us to, so that you can get the results that you're looking for. And uh, if you're interested in doing that, look at our work with us page, as we've mentioned earlier. It's on our website, runnershealthhub.com and uh, scroll through and find a uh, book a free call with us and then we can have a good chat with you and suggest the way forward. Great thanks Aileen. Okay so let's move on now and consider some food ideas to really help fuel your ultra run training and any ultra events that you might have coming up. Now your food choices pre and post training or pre and post um, event would be similar to marathon training um, you would just want to have more of it and I can't stress enough just how much more of it you will uh, potentially need now it's during training and during the event that food choices tend to change because really gels and bars are just not enough you know there really needs to be more of a balance of the macro so no, more of a balance of the carbohydrates the fats and the and the proteins in the foods that you eat during a, a, an ultra um, because the physical stress on the body is so immense so it needs the balance it can't just deal with only uh, quick release carbohydrates coming from from um, gels and bars now uh, what I would say is that you you could maybe get away with using just gels and bars or medial dates um, for say a 50k event or and, and around that even up to 56 that I did, that Ultra Tour um, Edinburgh, 
you might get away with it. But beyond that distance, food choices do need to change. You know, I I did, like I said, I did manage to survive on my oat bars, on my dates. But um, I've got a 47 mile race coming up in October. So I am stepping it up quite a bit. And and I know that um, for that, my strategy is going to need to, to be completely different. So I've got the whole summer to practice, practice, practice as uh as we always say to all of our listeners, so I'll be taking that medicine as well during the summer. So I just want to give some tips really to help you to prepare for eating during an ultra run. And these are tips that I will be using myself as I sort of um, move further into my 47 mile training. Now, I think as for all distance running, you do want to start to eat early during an event and eating approximately every 45 minutes to 60 minutes throughout the run so that that won't change those are things that stay fairly constant and um, you might actually want to eat every 30 minutes rather than every 45 to 60 minutes and it's something I'm considering doing because it helps take my mind off the run certainly in the later stages so uh, because it, it makes me gives me something else to think about and then I can think about all the foods that I'm going to have with me and what I'm going to choose and what my digestive system wants at that point in time and also when making those food choices you must remember that they do need to be incredibly high in energy so high in calories but also contain some protein and some fats, healthy fats as well. And um, and as we always encourage for all distance running, it is about trialing the food choices in training and not introduce any new foods in a race um, or or event. And but also, you know, from a practical point of view, the food choices that you make do need to be very portable. And also they need to be able to stay quite firm in because because for that distance, you'll definitely be using a camel back. You'll, prob- you'll have a bladder probably. And so that camel back, although they're fairly steady, actually, and quite firm, the food is still going to be jostling around. So it does need to be food that's going to stay fairly solid otherwise it's going to be a mush when when you eat it um alien i don't know if there's anything else you would you would add there from knowledge and people you've worked with or spoken to who have done ultras yeah i mean i think you know you know one you mentioned there about you know taking your own food and and that's uh, going to be really helpful to you but it might not be that you can provide all of your own food um so i think the important thing is to check with the event advisor uh, organizer rather and find out what foods will be available at the various checkpoints during the events now some organizers are better than others in the food that they provide and you know some even provide hot food so you know try and find out um what they've got available and you might even know people that have done the event and they can share with you their experience so be prepared take plenty of food with you Uh, maybe you've got your own support network you might have friends and family uh, joining you along the course and maybe they can bring things for you that would be helpful Um, if you've got a sensitive digestive system um, it's, it's even more important to know what will be available from the organizers Uh, and remember that 
um, you know, you need to work out what your digestive system will tolerate. And that may change as the run progresses. And that's something that you'll probably pick up on as you do your training. And, you know, what you were saying there earlier, Karen, about taking several weeks and months to work all of that out will be really important. And I know a lot of runners talk about, um, you know, needing to have a mix of sweet and savory foods because, Sweet foods can just become a bit too sickly because you're doing, you're eating them over several hours. So uh, try practicing with some savory foods too, and that might give you a bit of variety. Um, so that that would be my main uh, thoughts, Karen. And I know that you know you've worked with a lot of clients in the past that have done long um, events. So what do you encourage them to do? Yeah, well. Like you say, it, it is very varied, um, and the and, and tends to be a mixture of the sweet and the savoury foods. So thinking of more sweet type foods that they would they would want to take, or we negotiate that they take with them, are the likes of fruit, be it dried fruit or um, fresh fruit. Although it is. Uh, regarding the fresh fruit quite often that is provided by the organizer so um, my my clients will pick up some fresh mango or fresh banana slices or whatever it may be at the different checkpoints um but having dried fruit fruit and nut flapjacks um so again there you've got a mix of fruit and sweet foods but you've also got some fats in there and protein as well so that's a really good one uh, jam sandwiches um and and those jam sandwiches i find that my clients really enjoy early on in the in the race and then um and then it changes as they move through the race. Like you say, Aileen, the digestive system changes. The 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 sweet foods can become too sickly. Um, but but clearly, a jam sandwich on white bread is very carb rich. So to help balance it out a little bit, um, they they will maybe um, separately have some chicken, or they might have a chicken sandwich or a cheese sandwich, and um, and and sort of that gives them more of a mix of carbs and proteins and keeps it more savoury for them as well. Or it might be a slice of um, a potato-based frittata, um, a nut butter sandwich. And I even have a client who really enjoys making her own lentil burgers and she'll have a lentil burger in a bun. So it is real food that people are having and there's more of a combination of all the macros. Now, some people are really good at continuing to run and eating this type of food at the same time. Again, that's something that you would want to really um, want to practice with during training. Others are quite happy to stop at any checkpoints or or, um, water stations, have something to eat and then start running again. Or they'll take some time to walk. So they'll keep moving, but walking and they'll eat whilst they're walking. So, again, it really depends on what your goals are and what your digestive system is like and is able to tolerate. So, So like I was saying, most of my clients do tend to intersperse the sweet choices with the savoury choices, and that seems to work for for them. Now, for some of my clients, they do also um, carry a few gels. 
generally containing some caffeine. Um, and that's really just to give them a bit of a an energy boost in the latter stages of an ultra event. So it's almost like it's a safety net. They, they, they don't necessarily always use the gels or use the caffeine, but they just see it as an easy to carry safety net in case the real food runs out or they don't like what's available or their digestive system um, can't tolerate it anymore. So so hopefully that's given everybody some ideas of, of the way forward. Yeah, I think it certainly has, Karen. It's really interesting to hear uh, what everybody does. And I'm sure we could go on chatting about this. However, uh, the time has come where we have to draw the episode to a close. Um, but I think it would be you know, a great idea if we could have an episode in the future totally dedicated to using real food for ultra events. And I'm sure you've got lots of other ideas, Karen, and I'm sure some of our listeners might be able to share what they do as well. So as as we said earlier, we'd love to hear from everybody. Um, You know, do get in touch and let us know uh, what you do and what's worked well for you and maybe what hasn't worked so well for you. And we can feature your uh, tips and suggestions and ideas on a future episode. So, Karen, um, as we come to a close, I wondered if you would give us your key takeaways from today's episode. Yeah, sure, Aileen. So firstly, just as a reminder that ultramath marathons are defined as food races that exceed the traditional marathon distance of 26.2 miles or 42.2 kilometres. Now, there are many rewards from running ultra distances, including self-satisfaction and self-achievement, and also increased physiological adaptations such as mitochondrial functions. But there are many risks to um to to distance running or ultra distance running including compromised immunity dehydration and potential muscle damage what i would say is to really try to minimize these risks and to do that by ensuring that you have a detailed and targeted approach to nutrient and fluid intake. And and, and I can't stress enough how important that is, but especially looking at the carbohydrate and sodium and other electrolyte intake. Now, remember, bars and gels are just not enough when completing an ultramarathon. Real food with a balance of, of the macros in there will be what is required during during the event. And then finally, really, every ultra runner is individual. Therefore, their food and their nutrient requirements are going to be different. So do consider working with a registered nutritional professional, really to ensure that your choices are appropriate for your personal needs, um, performance needs and health needs as well. And that would be it, really. Oh, thanks, Karen. That's been a really enjoyable conversation and hopefully a helpful one too. And remember, everyone, don't let nutrition be the limiting factor in your running performance. Well, this brings us to the end of another episode of She Runs, Eats, Performs, brought to you by Runners Health Hub, helping female runners to be fitter, faster and stronger. We really hope you've enjoyed listening and you'll join us again soon. In the meantime, we'd be so grateful if you check us out on iTunes and leave a review. And once again, thanks for listening and do let us know if there are any topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes. Bye for now.
We'd like to introduce you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear for Women's Changing Bodies, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. We think they have everything a female runner needs. First of all, they are high compression to support your legs and bum. They have a deep waistband so they stay up and they don't move about when you run. There's a handy left pocket for your phone and a zip pocket on the waistband which is great for your cards or a key. They also have a hidden tracker pocket for storing a GPS tracking device and this is a unique safety feature. All Amazing Jane designs, including tanks and tops, are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. Karen and I have been trialling wearing their range for a few months and we can happily recommend them. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners' special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Thanks again to Amazing Jane Activewear for being our show sponsor and for sharing discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases.